psychology and social media. And uh, just to be honest up front, this was more one of the more challenging uh, classes that I had to deal with, uh, just being, being as how um, perhaps I have an issue with technology. Perhaps I uh, use technology quite a bit. So um, hopefully we all learned something this morning. Let's start out by, with prayer. Father, <clears throat> we are too easily distracted from the things that you've called us to, uh, from the opportunity and the task to bring glory to your name in everything we do. Specifically, technology and social media are tools, like any tool that can be used for good, but that we too easily are distracted by. Help us today learn how to overcome those distractions, how to put you first in everything we do, including uh, in our use of technology. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <coughs> Electronic narcotic, face magnet, the portable babysitter. These are just some of the synonyms for your smartphones, tablets, and other devices. <clears throat> From writing to friends, to knowing the latest news almost instantly, to watching a funny video, to checking in with our spouse, or getting everyone back together, to listening to music or to a sermon during a commute, to email, to task lists, to calendars, to movies. Technology is a part of our everyday life. It is everywhere. We have an internet of things. Is that a problem? Is it a problem for you? What about for the kids? Al Mohler noted in a study by the Kaiser Family Foundation on this issue saying, as anyone who knows a teen or tween can attest, media are among the most powerful forces in young people's lives today. Eight to 18-year-olds spend more time with media than any other activity besides maybe sleeping. An average of more than seven and a half hours a day, seven days a week. Technology is with us, and whether good or bad, one thing is certain. Technology is affecting us, and it is affecting our children. And because it has become literally a part of everyday life, most of us don't even think about this very much day to day. It's just the air we breathe. On the whole, we probably view technology and social media as neutral, like books or movies, it's fine if it's used properly. That said, however, we do want to pause here and offer a call to care, even a warning. Certain technologies can have dangers that are inherent to them. MacArthur puts it this way in a non-March interview with Mark Deaver. Now, people have in their hand what is essentially a deadly weapon the most forceful tool for life-destroying temptation that has ever been put into human hand. 
you've never been able to bring temptation at that level, visually, audibly, with that availability in all of history. You can pollute yourself faster and more extensively than ever. It is imperative that we stop and think about this. And even those outside of the church understand this. Neil Postman, a secular humanist, wrote in his book, Technopoly, that a family that does not or cannot control the information of its children is barely a family at all and may lay claim to the name only by virtue of the fact that its members share biological information through DNA. That the family can no longer do this, I believe, obvious, that the family can no longer do this is, I believe, obvious to everyone. He wrote that in 1992. Is Postman right? Have families lost the battle? How do we know? Does the Bible give us any guidance, especially as parents, in the areas of technology and social media? To help us answer that, we want to offer 10 questions that I hope will test us from Scripture the effect of tech that will help us test from Scripture the effect of technology in our lives and homes, especially as parents. Our goal is not to draw bright lines. You can do this. You can't do that. But to encourage us to think about this important topic together. As the Apostle Peter said, whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For our purposes today, When we say technology, I mean information, including the Internet, laptops and iPads, smartphones, communication devices, and entertainment devices such as TVs, iPods, and video games. By social media, I mean social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Tumblr, Pinterest, Reddit, LinkedIn. Also, I think some of our news media Uh, or news outlets can be involved in these things. And as to all of these tools, I believe God's word has much to say. So, 10 questions. Question number one, is it helping us be present in our families? This may seem like a strange question. Don't technology and social media help us be present everywhere? That's the beauty of having a blog and a Twitter account. Not exactly. When I say be present, I'm thinking of Deuteronomy. (laughs) When I say be present, I'm thinking of Deuteronomy chapter 6. These commandments that I give you today, is that Skip's phone? That's that's beautiful. I'm going to get on to him about that. (laughs) I'm going to get on to him. Okay. I'm thinking of Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, which is a big accomplishment. I said Deuteronomy. Where's Ryan at? You proud of me? I said it. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's chapter 6, 6 through 9. As we said when we discussed family worship, God's word should be the constant subject of our conversation, something we impress on our children when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, and when we get up. Do you see the point here? Like television when some of us were growing up, 
the phone is becoming an electronic foster parent. We should not delegate our job of influencing our children to a phone or to a tablet. And I don't mean just the technology, because the tech is simply a gateway to other people, including their friends and many who are not. It is our privilege and responsibility to talk to them when they get up, when they lie down, about God's commandments. In our homes, our kids leverage technology for learning and for play. But their online time really should be strictly limited and monitored. For example, it may not be the best idea for them to have devices alone in their rooms. Dads and moms, here is a word to us as well. We need to put the phone down. Be present together as a family. The emails will wait. The posts can be read later. Are the continuous mind-numbing videos really that important? On the upside, technology can help us be present. Some of us can work from, ho- from home from time to time. FaceTime, Skype, and Zoom can be helpful if you genuinely have to be gone. Say deployed abroad with the military. Numerous soldiers have seen their newborns via Skype. Also consider the blessing of leaving a lifetime of scripture-laden emails or even videos to your children after you have, you have gone. A New Yorker cartoon recently showed a little girl asking where Grandpa was. Her mother answered, he's in the cloud. In seriousness, though, consider the blessing of easily storing messages to your children. Is technology helping or hindering you from being present? Two, is it helping us be alert? Have you ever noticed how many times Scripture commands us to be alert? watchful, and awake, and how easily technology and social media can render us adult, lulled, and distracted by our longing for the next info snack. Think of the poor guy walking into the light pole while texting, a perfect metaphor for our culture and for many of us and many of our kids. We need to pick our heads up and look where we're going. Final judgment is coming. Life is moving, and we're staring at our face magnet, texting. Are we watching for chances to serve, or are we watching TikTok? In one sense, I get it. Long day, tired, take a couple minutes to zone out. But perhaps we're too ready with those excuses. Richard Nahas speaks of listlessness, of evenings without number, obliterated by television, Evenings neither of entertainment nor of education, but of narcoticized defense against time and duty. Father, mother, by your habits with technology, do you teach your children to be content to swim in the shallows and pass their time with passing the time? If your family at times seems adult by technology, Consider memorizing this scripture. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Romans 13, 8 and 11. Is technology helping or hindering you from being alert? Question number three. Is it helping us be transformed? God commands us 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a pattern to how the world thinks. That pattern presses itself on us, forcing us, if it can, to conform. Surely the endless bombardment of information from technology and social media is a worldliness delivery system unequaled in human history. Nicholas Carr, in his book, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, collects an impressive array of research showing that our brains are like plastic, and what we run through them carves deep channels that are hard to remove. Think about that. Technology actually shapes your brain. That's scientific support for what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. The world would conform you, be transformed by God's word. Carve biblical channels in your brain. Here, technology can also be very helpful. It's never been easier to read, hear, see, memorize, share, study, understand Scripture because of technology. But friends, remember, our minds are being conformed to something, and we need to be mindful of what is shaping us. We must also ask, if our brains are plastic, What are our children's? What channels are you carving in your children's brains? Run God's word through them day and night. Help them be transformed by the whole Bible, meditating on it all the time. And yes, leverage technology to assist you in this. Is technology helping or hindering you from being transformed into the image of Christ? Four, is it helping us grow in wisdom? Information technology can, pl- can blur the distinction between knowledge and wisdom. We need to remember that biblically, what's new is not always better and more is not always best. The latest blog post may be less valuable than something written 500 years ago. Indeed, it probably is less valuable since the blog post hasn't lasted 500 years. We need to help our children see that they can live in a swamp of often entirely useless information and teach them how to find true sources of wisdom. This may mean simply shutting off the game and media and handing them books, especially older ones. For us, among other things, this this means encouraging our children to read actual books, physical books, and not just the new ones. Is technology helping or hindering you from growing in wisdom? Is it helping us be patient? The name of the game in technology is speed, faster processors, more bandwidth, quicker downloads. But repeatedly, we are talking scripture that the wise man is patient, patient waiting for his farm to yield fruit, patient, wait, patient with others, others' faults, patient, waiting for the Lord's return. This means we must be able to focus, to hold our attention on the long view of things and not always be looking for the next snack from our Facebook or Twitter feed. A Christian psychiatrist noted one of the big problems with technology and social media that he sees in children and all of us, that it teaches us to demand everything right away. We don't learn resilience and perseverance, say, 
with a long book or a difficult problem. This is true for adults and children. I trust you see the point. Children need to be taught to persevere. Limiting time, their time in front of screens can help. Is technology helping or hindering you from being patient? Six, is it helping us be content? Many of us are visual gluttons. We always need more information. We lack self-control. We are enslaved to the continual lust for more, cognitive content, more novelty. Author Nicholas Carr writes of discovering what he could no longer Arthur Nicholas Carr writes of discovering that he could no longer concentrate on his work without stopping to check the web. At first, I'd figured that the problem was a symptom of middle age mind rot. But my brain, I realized, wasn't just drifting. It was hungry. It was demanding to be fed in the way the net fed it. And the more it was fed, the hungrier it became. Even when I was away from my computer, I yearned to check email, click links, do something, do some Googling. I wanted to be connected. Surely an apt description of this chasing after the wind. As the writer of Ecclesiastes told us, of making of many books, there is no end. And that was a thousand years before the printing press. An important question. Can you and your children take a day or two off from Facebook or texting? Can you avoid your Twitter feed for a day? Can you take an afternoon off from email? Could you skip the games for a week? You say your answer is yes to all of these, but will you do it? What would it look like for you and your family to take a technology fast? Why not find out? Is technology helping or hindering you from being content? Is it helping us be real? The gospel is not a game. Jesus' love did not cost him his virtual life. He was real flesh and blood. He contended with a real Satan. He showed real courage. He felt real pain. He was nailed to a real cross. And he experienced a real bodily resurrection. So don't get me wrong. If online fantasy literature and games inspire a hope of heaven and motivation to accomplish real exploits, they may be worthwhile. Star Wars is not out of the picture, Jake. But if these sources instead play the deceiver, making you feel a real sense of courage and accomplishment or a real romantic connection, when you have accomplished nothing in the real physical world, then they are false. Jesus calls us to love real families and real church members with real sins and real difficulties leading to real joy. Here we come to a very important word for all parents, but especially for now parents of boys. To quote Russell Moore, pornography promises pleasure without intimacy. Video warfare promises adrenaline without danger. The arousal that makes these so attractive is ultimately spiritual to the core. 
This is a generation mired in fake love and fake war, and that is dangerous. A man who learns to be a lover through porn will simultaneously love everyone and no one. A man obsessed with violent gaming can learn to fight everyone and no one. The answer to both addictions is to fight arousal with arousal. Set forth the gospel vision of a Christ who loves his bride and who fights to save her. And then let's train our young men to follow Christ by learning to love a real woman, sometimes by fighting his own desires and the spirit beings who would eat him up. Let's teach our men to make love and to make war for real. In short, our children need to need courage to love and to fight, to nurture and to protect and to work in the real world. How can we encourage this? By all means, set by put, start by putting up boundaries and acting time limits, placing shutoff limits, installing filters. But we should also teach them how to respond when they've run across something they shouldn't have. Even filter providers say, don't just rely on the filter. A filter won't help protect your son when he's, handed by, when he's handed by a friend a pornographic picture on the screen. Assume your children will see things they shouldn't and teach them how to respond when they see it. Flee and, if necessary, repent. This is something for us to think about as well. As the social media world allows us to create a totally private world that feeds selfishness and pride and militates against genuine fellowship. On the one hand, we can consume and enjoy whatever we want. We are used to listening or to watching what we want, when we want, where we want. We create our own private worlds, which very often others don't know about. As MacArthur put it in the interview we mentioned, It can now be that you don't know my world. I'm not going to tell you about my world because my world is now infected with things that I can't tell you, that I don't want want you to know. More than that, we control what others see about, about us. I not only create my world, I create myself. The only me you're going to know is the me I'm willing to tweet. The only me you're going to know is the me I want you to think I am. This can make it a challenge to help our kids grow grow up being honest, authentic, sympathetic, humble, and genuine. If we do help them to be those things and they're not quite as slick at communicating in the virtual realm, they'll be fine. One last side tip for keeping the Internet real. Have your kids use technology to teach them to do real things. You can teach your kids to code using iPad apps. You could, teach your, you could use YouTube for all kinds of instruction, like building fires, sewing, fixing toys, etc. Consider, too, are your kids using technology and social media to select their friends and overlooking their actual neighbors? Is technology helping or hindering you from being real? Number eight, is it helping us to pray? When Jesus faced overwhelming crowds, he went to desolate places to pray. Do you and your children know how to find desolate places? 
can you steal can you steal your mind enough to pray to think over a passage and pray it back to God can you sustain a line of thought as you talk with God about an issue in your life or your family do you and your children look at news stories as occasions for prayer do you pray over emails you receive the end of all things is near therefore be clear minded and self controlled so that you can pray. 1 Peter 4 and 7. The challenge here is not merely that technology is distracting. It promises its own escapes from stress, a God alternative. Video games, movies, news sites would have us leave our problems behind and enter another world. But God wants to be our refuge. When faced with a moment of stress, Would you or your child rather zone on the Internet or pray? Make a habit of praying at all times with your kids, especially when tempted uh, to anxiety. Train them not to run the screen. Train them not to run to the screen, but to Jesus. Is technology helping or hindering you from praying? Number nine, is it helping us be humble? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Does social media enable you to live a life of well-tended pride, cultivating your public face, your long list of friends? Do you consider your motives when you share a success or use your kid's success on Facebook? Does it inspire you to envy? Teach your children about the temptation to fear men, to sinfully compare ourselves to others, and how pride can be behind or be fed by what we post, especially through tools like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Is technology helping or hindering you from being humble? Number 10, is it helping us be stewards? We have been warned to multiply our talents and avoid dissipation. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What is the opportunity cost of your time with technology? Keep a log of the hours. Proverbs calls young men to, to, to be diligent, to diligent labor. The Proverbs 31 woman was not reading romantic novels, She was married to a real man with real children, running a real household, staying up real late, and getting up real early. Yes, I realize she was a composite person, but she is a picture of how our girls are to aspire to real accomplishment. Yes, technology can be a multiplier. I can get caught up on key events in the world that affect my work in the first 30 minutes of a day, or I can waste... I can waste the first 30 minutes surfing headlines instead of praying. The Internet hosts a wealth of knowledge to be learned about God and his creation. Gospel blogs and sermons can be helpful. But we still must ask, is technology helping or hindering us from being good stewards of our time? As a bonus question, is technology helping me be holy? James 1 and 27 puts it fairly plainly. 
religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unsustained from the world. Likewise, Hebrews 12 and 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Paul told Timothy to flee from useful passions. Remember MacArthur's comment earlier, the most forceful tool for life-destroying temptation that has ever been put in the human hand. Whether it's temptation to pornography or to emotional fornication or to pride, we must be honest about whether our use of technology is enabling us to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. It can be that kind of help. If it's not, we need to confess that and seek the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ to bring and seek the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ to bring even our smartphone use under the lordship of Christ. And then teach and help our children to do the same. Um, just some, since I got a little time, some per- personal anecdotes. Um, I know I'm prone to, uh, to uh, a lot of wasteful time in video games and so forth. I, I go through long periods of times where I don't touch them. But... Um, Breath of the Wild came out a couple years ago, and uh, I bought it and uh, for the kids. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, one night I got off work, and um, I was just going to play an hour. I had a meeting with Jared and Ryan at 6 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock, I was just going to play an hour. And so I got to playing Breath of the Wild. 5.30, I was like, uh, you know what? I might need to get some sleep. I'm going to have to call Ryan and tell him I'm not going to make this this uh this uh meeting uh so even myself as an adult can get carried away in these things as a matter of fact again uh, i think i was sharing with ryan this morning when i was first going through this uh lesson you know i called ryan and jerry and i was like i was living i was like look i'm not i'm not doing that we're just not gonna do it you know and so as i continue to read through it um the Lord convicted me. Let me tell you something else. I was, I was at Cracker Barrel, and uh, I picked up a deck of cards, and the, I was reading the uh, back of the cards, and uh, the print was a little too, too small. And so I'm looking at these cards, and I found myself doing this, trying to zoom in on this physical deck of cards. So, I'm, you know, I'm just confessing I have problems here. Um. We need to confess these things to each other. And again, me as a about to be 40-year-old adult, um, I have to be very careful uh, in my use of technology. I can only imagine what poor Elijah or Naomi or our children uh, are struggling with as they are, are using or navigating our, our world of technology and social media. In conclusion, the bottom line to contemplate is this. Is technology helping or hindering us and our families from serving our God, from being holy? Are we mastering it 
or is it mastering us? May God give us the grace to use technology for his glory alone. Just some examples of digital boundaries and one, one very good resource that I want to recommend. Uh, there's a book and there's actually several of uh, uh, spinoffs from a book called The TechWise Family. It's really, really good. I would recommend everybody with children to read through that book. It helps you to kind of think how to wisely navigate this world of technology and social media with your families. Um, some, digital, some examples of digital boundaries. Do not check my smartphone until my morning devotions are over. Turn notifications off. Try to end my digital day by 9 p.m. Don't check my smartphone when having lunch or dinner with a friend or leave the phone in the car. Take a digital fast every Sunday or start with every Sunday afternoon. No digi digital gadgets at mealtimes. Limit checking emails or texts to once an hour. Try not to talk on the phone to virtual people when real people are in front of me. Pray daily for God to help me become a good steward of my virtual life. These are just some examples of digital boundaries that, you know, you can use to just kind of examine your life and see, you know, the places that uh, these things can help or help is needed. The, would anybody else want to share any resources or any examples of digital boundaries that they found in their life? what I will I'll put that on I got you I'll put it on faith life before I walk away <laughs> yes sir I say this, I, I just I'll give, I, I guess, some anecdotes. Um, uh, technology, cell phones are a tool. Um, I can take a hammer and I could build a house. Or I can take a hammer and knock somebody upside the head. You see what I'm saying? I could use it for good or bad. So what I would do, I don't think technology and social media are in and of themselves evil and bad because a lot of good things can be used, can be done on those things. I do think that like with anything else, we have to train and we have to teach and we have to um, help cultivate um, in our kids' heart uh, a, a want and desire to do everything and use every tool and everything as unto the Lord. Um, because let me tell you about Naomi over here. I'm sorry. Uh, you're not supposed to snitch on your kids when you're in front of people. But Naomi doesn't have a cell phone, not for me. But she got about five or six friends with old cell phones that like to give them to her and give her account. So you can, and I say that to be funny, but I, I say that as a warning. You can keep them from it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but they're going to find a way. Somebody's at school showing them something and, sh and giving them something for them to use. So... 
I think a, a good ideal, and, and it's something I learned from a Take Wise family. You know, first of all, on an iPhone, I, I'm not. You know, this is not a, a commercial for iPhones, but man, you can restrict that thing down to like, you can only call these people, you can only talk to these people, you can only use these apps, you can't delete any text messages. Uh, so definitely put restrictions on phones, um, uh, but also passwords. Make sure everybody knows the password. You know, the kids can have their own password unless they're a kid. Uh, so uh, you're you're able to you should there should be rules where you're able to to pick up the phone at any time things like that. I just think that again sometimes our our uh, completely restriction uh, isn't isn't always as successful as we as we might think. Uh, did you have some? You were about to say. and there's things like pornography and things that exist so we should get rid of our printing uh, abilities and things like that. You see what I'm saying? I think I think that that could be said, and I may be in the minority position, but I think that could be said about anything because we as humans, as sinful humans, use the things that God gives us for good and for evil. So, I mean... I listened to Tech Wise Family this this week again, and it was very convicting. And I would, I would, and it, it talks about all these things that we're talking about. And I would definitely refer you back to that resource. Right. And then those kids that he practiced on are now adults, and the daughter has written her own book. And I would recommend even reading that one, just kind of to see the effects it's had on her life. Yes, sir. So you need to watch that video I posted yesterday because you're off social media. All right, in conclusion, I'm, we're going to stop here, but I'll read, I'll read again. It's technology, the, the whole point of this, is technology helping or hindering us and our families from serving God and from being holy? Are we mastering it or is it mastering us? May God give us grace to use technology for his glory alone. That is it.